0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Dribble Podcast. My name is Craig O'Donoghue from the West Australian newspaper, taking you through another season of talking to guests from the Perth Wildcats, Perth Lynx and WA Basketball in general to give you the best insight possible into what's happening in the sport throughout this state. And there is plenty happening in WA this week with Cleveland Cavaliers General Manager Mike Gansey in town to watch Perth Wildcat Luke Travers, and the team producing one of the most extraordinary come-from-behind wins you will ever see on Monday night. So, this week, we're going to do the episode a little bit differently to what we have in the past. Instead of having one feature guest from the Wildcats and one from the Lynx, you'll be hearing from several key people around Travers's quest to get to the NBA and what it means for both him and the club, and then we'll speak to Perth Lynx star Chloe Bibby about her outstanding start to life in WA. But first, Luke Travers is a brilliant story. The Cavs selected selected him at pick 56 in the NBA draft, and he had a huge impact on Monday night for the Wildcats. So the question is, can he get onto the Cavs' main roster? Time will tell on that one. But let's see what having an NBA GM in town means for both him and the Wildcats. We've got multiple interviews here coming up. These have been done outside of the studio and in different locations, which means you will notice a change in the way we usually record the audio. So let's cut to these now, um, and hopefully you enjoy getting a greater insight into what it's going to be like for Luke Travers having the Cavaliers in town this week. I'm with Mike Gansy now, the general manager of the Cleveland
1: Cavaliers. Just landed. How are you feeling? Good. A little tired, but I'm excited to be in Perth. Very excited. What does it mean for you to be able to watch Luke Travis play live? No, it's really exciting. I mean, obviously, first time in Perth, but, uh, you know, we've I've, I've watched a lot of Luke this year already. So now to see him live and get to get to go to dinner with him and talk to him, it's it's really important for us to see him. So from a relationship
0: perspective, what does it mean for you to be able to build that relationship with him, given you wouldn't have, I would have thought, had spent a lot of time with him?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I wouldn't be here. You know if we didn't like him so you know obviously we drafted him had him for summer leagues. So we got to know him pretty well last summer but you know just obviously coming out here showing some love to him and kind of following his progress as we have been all year and you know, just seeing how he's doing and just kind of just kind of just kind of checking in on him basically more than anything
0: how far away from being an nba rostered player do you feel he is
1: yeah you know he's still so young i mean this is like his second year playing like full-time third year really full-time with perth and you know, he's obviously in great hands with Danny and John and obviously being with a lot of the veterans they have on their team with Bryce Cotton and those guys and Webster and wild game last night. But, uh, you know, I'm just excited to be here and see all these guys and, you know, see him practice and get to talk to him and talk to the staff and, you know, kind of get a better feel for him here before I go back.
0: Do you want to see him in America at some, at some point, playing in a G League or in any other sort of competition?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, that, that's, that's the goal. I mean, obviously, when we drafted him, you know, we, we felt he had some potential to obviously play with the Cavaliers and be on an NBA floor. So, you know, whenever that is, we'll see. But, you know, we're, we're excited about him, and we've been tracking him, obviously, the whole year, and finally excited to be here to see him in person.
0: Do you have a timeline at all on on, on how long he needs to have before he, he has to either prove himself or not prove himself, and you make a decision? On yeah, it?
1: I don't think there's really no timeline. You know, obviously we'll talk to Luke. You know, talk to his agent. You know, even talk to Danny, and just kind of, you know, just really step by step. You know, obviously they're in the thick of the season right now, trying to get in the playoffs. So, you know, once the season's over, kind of sit down, evaluate where we're at, and then just kind of go from there.
0: What do you like about the way he plays? Yeah,
1: he just—he's just a really good basketball player. You know, he kind of does a little bit of everything. Um, does it, and he impacts the game without scoring? You know, you see his stats. He's averaging eight, five, and four, and you know, a couple steals, a block. He just does a lot of good things. Even though he's not a twenty-point scorer necessarily, but he just does a lot of good things that help teams win. And you know, clearly playing with Perth, he's—he's he's gotten a lot of a lot of experience to grow at a high level.
0: Could you believe that? a 50-hour journey or whatever it's been so far, and you end up
1: missing one of the yeah, games you're here for. I mean, the big game, you know, obviously, I, I, I actually rewatched it in my uh, in my connection to Melbourne. What a wild finish. But, hey, you know, I'm here, and hopefully I can keep the streak alive. What did you think of his last quarter and that last play? That was wild. I mean, when when Blanchfield hit the three, you know, he kind of rubbed up to him, one you don't foul, and then it looked like he was trying to make the free throw, and it just happened to bounce to him, and Webster was there, and just you know everything had to come right and good for Perth that they won the game and all that happened and Luke's final quarter specifically yeah yeah no Luke was you know first half he you know he couldn't really get in the rhythm but you know even that third fourth quarter he really played well um you know hit some big shots had a, had a really nice assist I think to Blanchard on the on the break kind of towards the end and he just did what he does he kind of quietly impacts the game and does things to help you win.
0: Well, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Enjoy the week, and hopefully, we'll, they go
1: well for you and he goes yeah. well for you against New Zealand. No, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Now, Travis, all the way. Oh, my. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Remember the name, ladies and gentlemen. Luke Travers is having a series to remember.
0: Okay, so we're here with Danny Mills now, the General Manager of Basketball Operations. It's pre-game. Danny, you've been in the NBA system for a fair amount of time. What does it do to have someone like Mike Anzi here for the week to to build relationships?
2: It's fantastic to have Mike down here. Obviously, uh, with Luke getting drafted by Cleveland, they're invested in him. They're invested in his development, uh, how he's doing here at Perth. And obviously, from their perspective, they want to create that relationship where they're... they're, um, checking in on him and um, and showing him that he's on their radar and then also for us just being around our club and seeing the environment that he's developing in so I think on both perspectives it's fantastic to have one Mike down here but also to have Luke um, understand that you know Cleveland are coming down to watch him. So it's a different situation for
0: Luke to be in what's been your advice to him for this week even though Mike's not going to be here tonight he would have been expecting him to be here?
2: Yeah, honestly, no real advice for Luke. I mean, Luke's a professional. He has been for a few years now. Um, And it's just something where he's just going to have to get used to it. Last year, I think for him, was a huge learning curve. He was auditioning for 30 teams now he's got one that's chosen him and investing in him and they're coming down to see him and he's been in their system so got drafted in june was around them for about six weeks so he feels comfortable uh he understands that mike coming down it's it's for him just to to be around him uh to to check in to to meet with us meet with john really and our coaching staff to understand how we're developing him and then to give us some of their feedback as well from what they're seeing from their end so in terms of luke like Obviously, yeah, a GM comes, he's coming to watch you. Like It may affect you, but from our perspective, it's, it's game 15 in the, M- in the NBL and we're trying to beat Melbourne.
0: So your relationship with Mike and, and the Cavs, how often do you talk what's it, and when they want advice to be given to you about how they want him to play, does, does that happen? How does it all work?
2: Yeah, no, they don't give us advice on how they want him to play. I think they're very comfortable that, And I think part of them drafting, drafting Luke at where they drafted him at 56... And having him kept with us at the club was because they they understand that he's in a great environment to develop. Uh, Mike and I have known each other for years now through the NBA circles. Uh, yeah, I'm lucky enough to call him a good friend. Um, he's he, he's very invested in Luke, but it's also coming down to to hang out, see see Percy, our facilities, and you know, as a lot of NBA teams are starting to see, the NBL is a fantastic place for um, players to develop. Not only players that they're trying to draft, but players that they've drafted and want them to develop outside of the NBA system. They can have them here in in Australia and be confident that the NBL clubs such as us are are doing the right thing by them
0: so you said you've known him for a while he's a first year GM but obviously went through different systems to get there how how do you build those relationships Where where do you meet all that sort of stuff
2: Yeah, so so obviously my history, I was in the NBA for seven years. When you're traveling as much as you do uh, on the scouting trail, you you run into a lot of people. I was fortunate enough to to, to run into Mike a lot of times at different events and different games, and he was always kind enough to me to give give me time, and you've seen him rise from a director of scouting through to a general manager now with the Cleveland Cavaliers, which is incredible, and it's a testament to him and and the person he is, and also how good he is at his job. But... um, um, it's, it's also just about staying in contact with people and relationships as it is in, in, in life and in, in a lot of different areas. And, and for Mike, um, yeah, we definitely stay in a lot of contact. I, I rely on him. I'll, I'll lean on him for some information on players that we're potentially looking at. And he'll do the same for me when he's looking at players down here, you know, uh, when they're looking to draft or free agents. Just, to you know, you go back and forth and, and, and you give them information and it's a, it's a two-way street.
0: So with Luke, he started the year brilliantly, but he's faded a little bit with a bit of injury concern, it looked like, as well, by not going to Kazakhstan. How have you rated his season?
2: Yeah, I think pre-season. Um, and then obviously, so we, so we had a massive year last year with, with little to no rest, straight into the draft process, which is physically grueling, but also mentally grueling. Uh, stays in the States, does summer league, and then comes back and goes on his first Australian Boomers tour. Uh, we thought pre-season he was fantastic. He's taken another step, and he, and he clearly has. And it's just as the team, as the team has. We've had some highs and some lows, and we're trying to find, trying to find our level. You know, we're, we're fourteen games in, so we're at halfway mark of the season. And we're seven seven. We're basically zero. So now you can second part of the season. You know, obviously we want to stay north of that, uh, starting tonight. But for Luke, I think it's just a matter of finding that consistency. It was the same as last year. Um, I think the last two games, even though people may not look at the, 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 the stat sheet, and he's eye-popping numbers you look at I think it was the New Zealand game where he had a pretty consistent game but then you look at his plus 20 um, on the court so his his contribution on both ends of the floor while sometimes you can't see it statistically is is, is enormous and for a kid at 21 um, for us I mean he's definitely part of our key rotation you've seen him come into the starting lineup right now and is even though he is starting for us he's always been a closer and that's the biggest thing like there's multiple guys can start a game, but it's it's who closes the game, especially tight games that really matter. And so for us, as we find these rotations and these um, five man units, that are going to hopefully lead us down the right track towards the business end of the season. I mean, looks a, looks a massive part of our um, looks a massive part of that.
3: I've seen enough to
0: know that this kid's going to be a player. Oh, yeah. he's going to be a really, really good player. We're now here with Craig Hutchison, the CEO of Sports Entertainment Group. Craig, it's a it's a big week for the club, isn't it? To have someone from the NBA here, what does it do for the club from a business perspective?
4: Well, I think it's a reaffirmation of the hopefully the calibre of talent that our basketball team is developing to have him here to watch not only Luke but to get a feel for the Perth Wildcats and you know, what a success story over time it has been. And uh, you know we, we unashamedly want to develop further relations with the NBA. We're on the record saying we're very much open-minded to put our hands up for any future pre-season competitions uh, overseas and uh, have obviously... I had dialogue with the NBL about that along the way so I think and it's such a great um, franchise the Cleveland Cavaliers and to have Mike here in town and to have him have a look at the player he's drafted, hopefully there's a good relationship developing between the two businesses and he sees that we're managing Luke the right way and help give him every chance to be the player that he hopes to, to be and reach his absolute potential uh, I think we're all excited for the possibility of Luke being an NBA player and equally wanting to be the best player he can be so to, for anyone to to take an interest in him the way that the Cavs have and have obviously have given up a second-round pick for him. So, yeah, I think it's great that he's here and we look forward to seeing him.
0: So, when you look at it, you've been all around the world. You just got back from the World Cup. Uh, you've been to Super Bowls, Kentucky Derbies, NBA games. You do a whole lot of stuff with the AFL Grand Final. When, when you're trying to pitch things to people and you've got names of people that you can reference back to them, you've met so-and-so here, so-and-so there, Mike Gandy's come to your club. What does that do for you?
4: Well, I think it's, it's probably less about that. It's more about um, this league... Is so well respected around the world. You see the back and forth between the two leagues now. You see the we've we got eleven or twelve Australians playing in the NBA. You see the respect that was held at the Olympics when we won the bronze medal, and you can see the relationships have been building between both countries. So I think it's just another step in that bridge. Like we, the NBL have done a great job in that. I think you know, Cleveland will come. Hopefully, Mike will come here and be really overwhelmed. By the fanaticism of this fan base and the crowd, this venue is not out of place, and in fact, in many venues, is a bigger, stronger experience than NBA venues. Like it's, it's hard to believe, but this this venue is, stacks up with any venue in the world. It's part of the reason why imports want to come and play here. The fan base, and I think to, to show that off to Mike and get him to get a feel for it, uh, you saw last year that some of the recruiters and general managers followed Luke around, and that was obviously a new experience for him. We put a little bit of. I don't know if he put pressure on himself or it was inferred pressure, but he he's obviously now getting used to the eyes of the world being on him. He saw the way he played in Summer League, and I think you know I think he'll rise to the occasion here too this week. So we're looking forward to seeing Mike here.
0: So when imports, you're talking to imports and things like that, and they know that you've got an NBA player on your roster and that the NBA will come out, does that help with, with those sorts of recruiting ideas?
4: No doubt. But even more than that is the quality of this home crowd and the venue. Like... To come and play here is a real sellable pitch to world basketball. Like it is a hotly contested import spot here. It is a hotly contested coaching team. This uh, club has done a great job of building uh, with its fan base an incredible um, mood around the place, and you know, fun and vibrancy and uh, the red and the whole everything that comes with it. So I think it's it's, it's a place that people want to come and play, and undoubtedly when you're Looking to uh, develop or recruit talent, it is part of your story, like the the history, the legacy, but also just the the feeling of playing here.
0: Can you pick Mike's brain much while well, it's your I know you won't, you probably won't be here for when he's here. A lot of the time, you're back in Melbourne, but will the club pick his brain about what you can, what you can
4: do? Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, Danny's got fantastic global relationships, so there's conversations about Luke and his development, but there's also conversations around the sport in general and the talent base around the world. And uh, you know, well, I was fortunate enough to go to Summer League last year in Vegas and you know the Australian basketball community is so well respected in NBA circles uh some of the events in Vegas there was lots of you know NBA officials and identities there and there's a real collaboration to see former Australians in the NBA so I think it's just another step in that And we want to be a club that welcomes global interest we undoubtedly want to be uh you know a global destination but also a global brand over time so that's yeah, but this is another little small step in that process. And just a
0: couple on the club
4: itself. You mentioned that the, the crowds and stuff how big they are over here. Normally, Thursday, Thursday,
0: Thursday, Monday. It's been horrible from a fan perspective. That you're getting back to more traditional um, fixtures in a few weeks' time. Will you speak to the league about trying to get you back to what you, the, the fans clearly can get to a bit easier with the Friday night games and Saturday night games rather than what most sports are heading towards with midweek games?
4: We will. Yeah, we we absolutely will. We understand and know that the fan base loves weekends and Friday post-work and Sunday afternoon, Saturday night. And Thursday and Mondays are less ideal. I think it's a testament to the the, um, the love that fans have of the team and the passion, which I've seen firsthand over the last 18 months that they've still turned up and supported so um, wonderfully in the first half of the season. But you're right, we have had Thursday nights and Monday night games and they're less ideal. We don't set the fixture. We will be a loud voice in the room. We'll be asking for... Um, the type of fixture that we know our fans want, and we won't be backwards in coming forward about our hope to do that. Ultimately, we respect the league's decision, but it's our job to make them understand that um, what this fan base um, loves, and where possible, where how they can be accommodated. We're also supportive of the new broadcast deal, so we do understand that that comes with some some uh, some new uh, nuances. To pardon the pun. I think the. Um, the owner, Larry, will be over in January, hopefully. Um, we've invited him to the open air game and we hope he'll be here to accept that, which would be lovely to, to, for him to see uh, this experience again after a little bit of a, a gap between, you know, distance between drinks because of COVID. And uh, I, I think that experience will be unbelievable in January. And we have got some great fixtures in January too. And, you look at, and then again this week, we got a Friday night. So I... Everyone's been very patient. Hopefully things start to turn for the better. And it's
0: finally, we're pre-game, obviously, but you're 7-7, seven seven, so absolute midway point of the year you your 50%. Where do you see this team at, and can they jump up the ladder in that second half of the year and win enough games to make the play-in series and challenge?
4: Well, I've always maintained that it will be about how you are at the back end of the season, not at the front. And... That's definitely going to be the case. We've had some bumps, no question. We've had some games where we would prefer to forget and haven't been at our best. And we've had some spirited performances, yeah, including New Zealand last week. And I thought Adelaide was a, a tough effort on the weekend. You know, it, was a, it was a really character-building win that. 7-7, seven seven, we've got two games that are 50-50 or winnable this week, I guess, in Melbourne and and on Friday night against New Zealand. You know, we absolutely hope to win both. If we could get to 9-7 or 8-8, eight, eight, we're right there when the whips are cracking. You can see yesterday with Tassie and the way they toughed it out against the Sydney Kings just how even this competition is. There's some things to work on, no doubt about that, and our, our coaches are working hard on some of the areas that we need to address, and John's spoken about some of those areas. But there's also some things to like about the last couple of weeks. You look at uh, Corey's form, and Tashawn on the weekend was terrific. We're starting to see the depth of the roster, you know, offensively in particular. Still some work to do on areas of the game, but I think. You know, this is going to be an open season. we are just going to stay the course, try and get better and improve. 14 games in a new coach, and hopefully we can finish the second half a lot stronger than the first.
0: Thanks for your time. It's been a flying visit for you today, in and out on the same day. Good good to see you. It's always good to
4: chat, and hopefully it goes well for you. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, mate. Bye.
0: Well, if you said at the start of the season that the Perth Lynx would have a player ranked in the top ten for total points scored after five rounds, I reckon nearly everyone would have said that that person would have been Sammy Wickham. But instead of the Australian Opal star, we're talking about this key recruit. And they
1: got Bibby an open, look for three. Chloe Bibby, your second triple of the half. Bibby at the top of the key. She is playing her best ball of the
0: season. Yes, that's Chloe Bibby when she was in America, but she's doing some fine work down here in Australia, and I'm pleased to say she is joining us now. Chloe Bibby, welcome to the Jewel Podcast.
3: Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: So you are flying, you rank ninth for points, ninth for for made three-pointers, and you're doing so in your first season as a key player in the comp. You obviously had some time previously as a developing player before you went to college. You must be really thrilled with how you've started with the Lynx.
3: Oh yeah, I mean, I'm just super happy to be back in Australia and playing in front of friends and family So, you know, I don't really think too much about, you know, those sorts of stats and things like that I'm just happy to be back here and playing with a great uh, group of girls
0: So you have slotted in seamlessly, though, and you're good friends with Lauren Scherf, which would help all the thought But what's been the key to the immediate impact when you walk into a different organisation, a different league?
3: Yeah, as I said, I think it's just the girls, the people that are around here. Um, Everyone's been super welcoming and, you know, obviously love Lozzy and we've known each other for, it seems like, forever now. But um, also, you know, I've known Sharpie for quite a while and just just a great group of girls, which has just made it, you know, so much more fun and like easy to slot in and just, you know, hoop and get buckets. It's It honestly is just a great time.
0: So, we shouldn't be surprised at all about your performances, given how well you played at college um, for, for so many years. And then you got the opportunity to go to the WNBA training camp um, as well. Tell us about that experience and what that was like.
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, the training camp was just a great experience overall. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to go to the Minnesota Lynx there for a little bit, so, like that just really opened my eyes on what the, you know, elite top level women's basketball is like. Um, and just that exposure, I'm just super grateful for that. And yeah, it was really just awesome. But then my whole college experience was incredible, really. I mean, you know, I started off obviously here, um, in Australia and played for, you know, when Danny Dandenong Rangers was still around it, that was great. And then, you know, I had the opportunity that someone was like, Hey, like, do you want to go to college in America? And, I kind of thought, why not? Like, why not give it a crack, see if I like it? And, you know, I spent five years over there, so obviously I, I just loved it.
0: So at, at two different places as well, you, you, you went from mm-hmm. from, from uh, Mississippi State to Maryland, like having the, the two different experiences, was, was that really beneficial for your basketball?
3: Oh, yeah, definitely. And they were on two complete, you know, opposite to the – two complete ends of the spectrum, sorry, like – One was Mississippi was a country town, a lot like what I grew up, you know, in country Victoria, um, very small, everyone knew everyone, but the, you know, the atmosphere that we got for women's basketball games was just incredible, and, you know, I had a great coach there in um, Vic Schaefer, and, you know, he taught me how to play defense and toughness and everything about that. He was just, he was great and really opened my eyes to what it takes, you know, to be a good basketball player. Um, so then, you know, and then obviously I transferred there after about three years and went to Maryland and that was a completely different experience as well. Uh, that was more like living in sort of like a Melbourne area, big city, lots to do, but again, women's basketball was a big part of the university. So, you know, we got heaps of games and we also play top level competition, you know, every night. So two complete opposite ends, but, uh, uh I couldn't have wouldn't change it for the world it was just incredible
0: so to experience all that and and WNBA experience you had um as I said during the, the pre-season and now playing really well at WNBL how close do you reckon you are to getting another crack at a training camp situation or or how close are you to even having a go at, at being an, a WNBA player do you think
3: well I hope you know I've still got some things to work on but uh, hopefully you know that is that is the end goal I mean it is elite competition and it's the best in the world for a reason. Those players are just great at what they do. And so I mean, I still think I have some things I got to improve on, but that's the ultimate goal. And, um, you know, being here in Australia is obviously, you know, it's allowing me to improve, you know, in some of those areas, um, but just have fun while I'm doing it. So hopefully down the track, that's, that's a, you know, something I'll be able to accomplish, but it's definitely a goal right now.
0: So you mentioned you grew up in country Victoria. You were from Warwick, mm-hmm. Nabeel, which is about 330 yep. kilometres west of Melbourne. Uh, I love you, you actually started being your sporting life as a netballer. Talk <laughs> us through what life was like uh, in Warwick, Nabeel.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, it's a, it is quite a small town. Um, and, yeah, honestly, I started off with, uh, what do they call it, Aussie rules with the little, what do they call it? Love Oz kick Oz kick Because you couldn't play You couldn't do net set goal Until you were a certain age And then You know Basketball was something You'd always just play in the summer And then You know And then we went into um, It was kind of basketball And swimming Sorry And then You know In the winter months It was Oz kick Until I could do net set goal And then it was netball And so really I played like Heaps of sports growing up Because basketball Wasn't just something You could do You know All year round Or anything like that um, and then, yeah, I loved netball, and my mum, uh, big netballer, so kind of just headed that direction. That's what everyone did, and then um, eventually I, I fell in love with basketball and was like, hold on a second, this is
0: this is it for me. So when basketball does become a sport and you discover that you, you're good at things, when you live 330 kilometres from the capital city, it would be fair to say you would have travelled a fair bit and spent a lot of time in the car to to develop your craft. Would that be correct?
3: yeah i mean my parents credit to all of them i mean they would they'd take me to trainings at 45 minutes away went to horsham a lot um so you know owen ewan was my coach there and so you know every morning we'd get up at you know five six a.m to drive over there do some do some workouts before i go to school and then um and then on friday nights vjbl uh, in you know, in Melbourne, out played out at Dandenong. So you know, hit, uh, my dad would pick me up or mum would pick me up early from school, and we'd drive the four hours to Melbourne and stay there for you know that Friday night game. And sometimes we'd stay for the weekend uh, to play, you know, and then practice on Sunday and then come home before school on Monday. So we did that for. Oh, a long time, a year and a half, two years, and then eventually I was like, you know what, guys, <laughs> this this is just a lot. You know, I got a younger brother and sister at home, and I was like, this we're away for way too much. And so I kind of said to my parents, like, hey, what what do you think about boarding school? Do you reckon we could uh, make that an option? And they were, you know, they were incredible. They were great. They were like, of course, let's see what we can do. And um, yeah, then I moved down to moved down to Melbourne, and I went to MLC for a year and a half, um, boarded there at all girls school in, um, in Kew. And that was great. I loved it. But again, I didn't have my license. So it was still, I'd take trains and get teammates and coaches and stuff to pick me up for training to get out to Dandenong. Um, so I was there for, as I said, I think it was about a year and a half. And then I was like, again, I'm just too far away. So I, uh, I moved out to Roeville, which is right next to Dandenong. And I lived with, um, Nong Ranger's manager at the time. Uh, so I lived with her for about two years while I finished out my VCE and graduated from high school. And, yeah, that was kind of the whole experience on how I ended up all the way out there and then eventually in America.
0: I reckon Q to Dandenong, like that's probably the equivalent of June up down to Frio. Like It's not not an easy track to, to do. It must have been a, a real eye-opening experience for you life-wise to have done all these sorts of things when you were uh, – 15 years of age, effectively, and and debuting in WNBL at the same time. It's it's not what a normal high school student is doing.
3: Yeah, no, definitely not. But it was kind of the only option that I had. I wanted to play basketball. I wanted to play it at the highest level and compete at the highest level. So it was really the only option I had. I was like, if this is what I want to do, I've got to get on trains, find lifts. I've got to find a way to work it out because, you know, I was – down there essentially you know by myself and I was like how do I make this work what do I have to do
0: and then you head to America and we're, we're so good yeah. as we said and suddenly you're at Mississippi State and you suffer a really horrible knee injury i'm going to play you a piece of audio from your coach which shows what you what the, what you meant to that team
2: well all I can tell you. It's, uh, it's hard to focus. I can just tell you it's that's difficult. The great kids worked really hard to be where she is right now, playing the way she's playing so I, I'm not, I'm, I am mean it's hard over
0: here right now. Not every day that you hear the coach basically crying at halftime because he's so disappointed that one of his players suffered such a, a, a bad injury. Like what does it mean to have the support for, like that?
3: Yeah, I mean, the whole Schaefer family, old Mississippi State, honestly, it was family. As soon as I got there, everyone was just so welcoming. As I said, it was a small town, really community-based, and instantly I just felt like I was at home. It was, it really was just like family. So, um, you know, when, when I went down with that injury, I know that everyone else was hurt just as much as I was, and that support, I think, really helped me be able to come back, you know, as quick as I did and as well as I did.
0: Your knee injury was yuck. Like, that's the only word I can use to describe yep. having having looked at it. It must have been really challenging to, to come back from that because it just buckled underneath you as your whole, and then your body mm. collapsed on top.
3: Yep. It was not great. Oh, my goodness. When I tell you, my ankle felt like it touched my hip. Horrible. Disgusting. And I knew instantly that that was ACL. I mean, I'd never hurt my knee, you know, before that, but... Instantly, I was like, yep, I have stuffed that right up. <laughs> but, I mean, the facilities and the people that I had there, you know, just supporting me throughout the whole process um, what really was, you know, why I was able to come back as good as I was. And, like, yes, it was difficult, but without them, there's no way that I, you know, I would have got through it.
0: How is it mentally with you come back from an ACL? Because it's not a, a, like you can avoid contact it's not like you can avoid having to change direction like it's not an easy injury to recover from
3: oh no it's definitely not and I didn't struggle with the physical part of it at all you know coming back the rehab that wasn't the biggest problem for me it was more mentally getting back into it and being like okay I can take a hit and my knee is going to be fine so I did a lot of work with a psychologist sports psychologist sorry um, just to you know have that confidence and build that confidence back up in myself and my ability so it more so wasn't you know the physical aspect which took me the longest to get back it was more the mental
0: and it'd be fair to say you've got some rather large feet and um, I've seen this guy as clown feet at size 14 are they a challenge when, when you're because you're not a monster in terms of height uh but you know you've got feet you've got to work around don't you
3: no, I'm not. Which is a bit annoying, you know. I, you're right. I do have these uh, size 14 feet, men's, and it's just it's annoying to be honest. I can't buy good shoes, nice shoes to go out in, and I'm not like you know six seven, which I should be with these monster feet. But um, no, nah, they keep me grounded. We'll say that.
0: And I suppose that would have helped. You mentioned you were a swimmer at one point. That that, that would been yeah. like, that would have been like flippers at that point, wouldn't they? Well,
3: that's what people said. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, you certainly are playing well, and um, it's been a big a big week for the team. Southside were terrific last week against you and Lauren Jackson put on a show. Now you head to Townsville for a game on Saturday and then play Canberra on Wednesday. So very different situations in terms of where your opposition are on the ladder. How do you see mm-hmm. those games?
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, we've been working hard this week. Um, I think we really picked up our intensity level last game against Southside, so... Obviously, you know, we couldn't come away with the win there, but I think we're slowly making strides in the right direction. So, you know, we've just been continually working on that this week and we have to take that energy and effort into our Townsville game. You know, eventually we can shoot the three ball. We're a great shooting team. We've just got to knock down those shots in the big moments. And I'm telling you, it just takes one game and we just have to stick in there and, you know, keep doing what we're doing. And I think one game we're going to hit them all and everyone will be a bit surprised. So... Can't wait for that to happen.
0: <laughs> it must have been frustrating with some of the shooting performances like where the ball just hasn't gone in for the entire team. It's, it's rare for everyone to have the same sort of mm-hmm. shooting night um, when it just isn't working for you.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's a bit frustrating, but we all have so much confidence in one another. Yeah, Everyone's in here constantly working, you know, in the gym, getting up shots. So, you know, we all have so much faith and, as I said, confidence in one another that we want, you know, everyone to take that open shot and we – Yeah, we want them to take it and, you know, one day they're going to go in and I think we just got to rally behind one another when they're not um, and, you know, find other ways to score and put the ball in the hole. But it's it's common. I think, you know, we're young. We've got to fight through that adversity a lot of the time. Um, But as I said, with the more games that we play and the more experience we get, you know, in this league, I think, you know, down down the stretch, down the end of the season, you know, it'll really help us, you know, when we're in those tight games and we'll be able to come away with a few wins, I reckon.
0: It's fair to say Townsville's the end of the earth from Perth. Uh, what route are you taking to get there and how long? Do you know how many hours? Is it 8, 10? Is it 12? You got the 14-hour stretch? Like, do you, know, do you know what
3: the situation is yet? Oh, goodness. I have no clue. I just I just know what time i got to be at the airport. I'm taking it one day at a time. <laughs> so I don't even know. We leave on Friday. That's all I got.
0: And are you staying interstate for to, or are you coming back before that Canberra game? Are you, is it Str- Townsville to Canberra, or is it Townsville, Townsville back to Perth, and then back to, and then over to Canberra? Uh,
3: we're going Townsville to Canberra, so I think we might stay an extra day in Townsville after the game, and then head down to Canberra.
0: So, are you working at the moment, or is this full? Are you full time basketball? Will that, will that impact your your life? Uh, support? I am full time basketball, so. Makes it a lot better, then, doesn't it? When you can, when yes, you can do that. it
3: it definitely
0: does. Hey, your your last name, everyone would know the name Bibby from many sports over here with with, with Jess. Are you related to, to Jess? We've heard that question. Been I've been asked that question many times, and I've always said I don't actually know, but it's, I would think in some way you probably would be.
3: Yeah, you and me both don't really know. Yes, no, maybe very distant. I would say, <laughs> um, you know, because Bibby is not that super common. Um, obviously, in the basketball world, it is a little bit. But yeah, yes, no, I can't really give you a definite answer. Surely, we are somewhere along the line, but not directly. But there's another
0: name that you are a bit more directly related to, isn't there?
3: Yeah, well, uh, Dela Vadova's, they're pretty close in relation, I think, um, we have like the same grandma, great-grandma. Uh, anyway, that's what my grandpa says. So we just say, you know, I'm not going to question him. He's the man. <laughs> um, so they're definitely closer in relation than, you know, just Booby.
0: And family, like, it's a long way to Warwick, Bill from Perth. Like mm-hmm. I know you, you spent time with them during COVID, which must have been really nice. Um, how much do you miss your family while you're tra- travelling the world playing basketball?
3: Uh, I mean, all the time. <laughs> family is everything, but... They love to travel. I mean, I've been in Perth for, you know, what, like maybe three months now. And my dad's already been over here and my sister was here last, all of last week. So, you know, my mum will be here in the new year. Um, so they love to travel. Any excuse that they have, they will jump on a plane. So whether it's, you know, the other side of Australia or the other side of the world, they absolutely love it. So they are always uh, will find a way to, to come and visit, visit, which is great.
0: And COVID allowing you to spend time with the family in Victoria would have been great, but I imagine it wouldn't have been so much fun doing your university exams back in America in the middle of the night. What time were you doing exams? 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning?
3: Yeah, that was not ideal, but, I mean, all my professors were super understanding um of you know the whole covid situation and just how our all of our lives had got you know turned upside down so so they were great in allowing me to maybe you know push my exams back a couple hours so i wouldn't have to take it at 3 a.m i could take it at 5 (laughs) instead um but we we got through it surely
0: oh well that's good And you're playing really well now so thank you so much for joining us you've been superb to watch so far this season so hopefully your brilliant form
3: continues Thank you
0: so much. Well, that's it for this week's episode of the Dribble Podcast. Remember, you can read all of your basketball news in the West Australian newspaper and keep logging on to thewest.com.au. Thank you to all of our guests for their time this week. Thank you to the wonderful Shannon Bevan for her production work. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Dribble Podcast.